Uh, last week, I uh, shared a message called the uh, season of reconciliation. And uh, I've had some testimonies come back. Uh, I had one testimony last week that was really interesting. A uh, Someone, a longtime member, shared with me that, you know, as I've shared different messages about reconciliation over the years, um, said they've always had someone, when they left the service, had somebody in mind that they needed to reconcile with. They said this was the first time that they didn't have anybody, and they wanted to tell me about it, and I thought that was pretty cool, that uh, they had dealt with things. And, and But I just want to encourage you that if the Lord spoke to you about uh, reconciling with somebody or calling somebody up or sending somebody a note to be obedient to, to him, he's got a plan in that. And... Um, and so, so follow that leading. And also, for those that weren't here, I encourage you to go back and watch the service or listen to the podcast. Um, I think it was a, a good message at this time of year. All righty. Well, um, let's look at John 3, verse 16, probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. And I think it's a good verse to start off this uh, message today. John 3.16, you know it. I'm going to read it from the Amplified. For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son so whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. God's interested in you having life, real life here on earth, and life for eternity. God did not send his son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. Um, so, so God greatly loved and dearly prized the world. And so what's he talking about when he's talking about the world? He's talking about the earth. Is he talking about um, resources in the earth and mountains and oceans and things like that? He's talking about the world. He's talking about people. He greatly prized people. And that was the basis of him sending his son. And it was while we were yet sinners, we deserved eternal punishment. We deserved to die separated from God because of Adam's sin. But God made a way... Um, to save us, uh, made a way for us to have, have, have life. And it really shows God's heart was love. And he expressed his love, not just in words, but in demonstration, and gave his best. And so that is an, uh, an excellent example for us, his children, followers of Christ, um, that his heart is to give. And, and again, no one could earn this grace, this favor, this kindness, this, this love. And so it's not a surprise that Christmas is about gifts. Or part of it's about gifts anyway. It's about family and friends and getting together. And there is, an, you know, for many, an exchange of gifts, presents to each other. That, that shouldn't surprise us because that re- re- reflects our Heavenly Father who gives, who is a giver, an extravagant giver. And if we look back, even in the, under the old covenant, um, 
there was an element of generosity in being a, a blessing. God established the, the old covenant was based with, uh, with Abraham. And I'm going to read from Genesis 12, um, verse 1. It says, Now in Haran, the Lord said to Abram, who becomes Abraham, God, when they enter the covenant, it changes his name to Abraham, which means father of many nations. The Lord said to Abram, Go for yourself, for your own advantage, away from your country, from your relatives, and your father's house to a land I will show you. And then he has his promise. And I will make you of you a great nation, and I will bless you. Part of a covenant with God. What a covenant is, it's an agreement. It's a pact. And part of this, this relationship, special relationship with God, he says, I will bless you. So it's a covenant of blessing. I will bless you with abundant increase of favors. I don't know all that that means, but that sounds good. Anybody here? Does that, does that sound like something, an abundant increase of favors? Anybody want that? Okay. And make your name famous and distinguished. But it, it doesn't just stop with receiving blessings or God's goodness. It, it, he moves on to another level here and says, and you will be a blessing. And defines what that is, dispensing good to others. And, and there's a whole lot more in Genesis 12 talking about the, that, that covenant, that, that, you know, that agreement with God. And, and so and under, the, under the, uh, the old covenant, it was a covenant of blessings. It was a covenant of favor. It was a covenant of God's goodness being poured out on a group of people that had a special relationship with him. But even then, you know, talking thousands of years ago, even then, it wasn't just to be, well, look at us. We, you know, we were living in all this favor, all this goodness. No, it was, we're going to be a blessing to others. And to see God's goodness, if God's goodness is on someone and is from God and they know it's from God, that person is going to be dispensing good to others. Now, Jesus um, came at a time when the Jews had made a lot of rules and regulations. When he was born, uh, they had added so many rules and regulations to the uh, Ten Commandments that basically um, it became about rule-keeping. It became about rule-keeping and doing certain things to earn God's approval and very little about people. They had forgotten the covenant of blessing. They'd forgotten that it was about others. They, 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 they missed all that, and they got caught up in just doing the, you know, checking off the rules. So much so that, I mean, they uh, condemned Jesus for healing on the Sabbath. Healing somebody. A person <laughs> that God created, that God loves, but it was wrong to heal them on the Sabbath day. That's how messed up their thinking has, had gotten. And, and, and if we're not careful in the church, we can be... Because of our rules, it kind of gives us a superior mentality. Because of our rules, we can be some of the meanest people around. 
because you're not living up to the rules. Remember the older brother in the story of the prodigal son? He comes back to the father and repents, and the father doesn't want to hear all that and has this, you know, that show you, again, the heart of the father. Reconciliation and blessing and restoring to favor. And what is the older brother, which really represents many in the church today? The older brother gets mad. Mad that he's being blessed. Mad that he's being forgiven. Uh, mad that uh, he's being restored. So we get, we got to watch, you know, <laughs> we got to guard our hearts from, from, because Jesus didn't come to condemn. We got to watch our hearts about judging others. And, you know, we don't know, you know, and again, I'm not condoning anything, but we don't know what the other person has been through or why they do what they do. And so we got to, we, we got to watch the, uh, throwing the stones and being critical of others. And so Jesus came and he says it says it in the scriptures, Jesus came to show us the Father. And one of the, the best verses, I mean, there's a whole lot of them. I mean, you could read the Gospels. But one of the verses that I think epitomizes what Jesus came to show us about the Father is found in the book of Acts, verse 10, verse 38. And I want to read this to you. Acts 10, verse 38. How God anointed. What is that word anointed? It means to rub on, to smear on. Anointed and consecrated Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. He's anointing him with the Holy Spirit. And with strength and ability and power. Now let's look what this power was for. He went about doing good, and in particular, curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. Now, this is so amazing because we have God leaving heaven, coming to earth as a man, letting go of all his kingly uh, uh, benefits to come, and, and this is what he did, is he went about doing good and healing all all those that were oppressed by the devil. Again, that just shows you the heart of God. It's not about me. It's not about what I can get. It's about what I can give and what I can do to be a blessing. That's so contrary to, to, to the world's way. And that's what we got to watch out for Christmas because it, instead of being uh, consumed with others and being a blessing, you can be consumed with stuff. And, and I hate to say it, the marketers seem to do a better job than a lot of our preachers because they can get you focused on things during this season. And what, they, what their strategy is, is to show you what you lack, that you have lack. And if you'll get this thing, it will make you happy. But how many know that's a lie? And then they're so good at it, they're so good at it, they'll get you into debt to get the thing you lack, to make you feel better, which you don't, and then you start off next year in debt. That's not good news. 
But I hope we have our eyes open. I hope we have revelation. And I hope we, we follow the Holy Spirit and listen to him. Um, especially during this time. Because, you know, it, it seems like this season, a lot of things are exposed. Lack is exposed. Need. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were sharing how they just didn't have the, the finances this year to do Christmas like normal. And they felt horrible about it. But where, where's that pressure coming from? Is that from God? Is God condemning you because you're not going to have what you had last year? Uh, and and I'm, not making, I'm not making light of that. I mean, I, I want to, to be a blessing to people during this season. And, and every year I want to do more if I can. But God's not condemning anybody for what kind of holiday season you have, what you give and what you decorate with or the parties you can have. He's not coming down on you about any of that. So that pressure, that, and so where's that coming? That's either from ourselves, it can be pride, or again, the world, the world's ways of what, how we should be, what they think our lives should be like. But I think a, a better way for this season, if we can focus on being a blessing and, it would, you know, you know, do the decorations, share gifts, time together, meals, all of that. But it'll be so much better if you've been a blessing to others. And I'm not just talking about financial gifts. He's talking about healing. It's talking about bringing the gospel, bringing the good news to people. You know, a, a, a blessing doesn't have to be, a, a, you know, a $100 bill, but all that's not bad. <laughs> you know, but it could be a word of encouragement. It could be praying for somebody. I mean, if they're sick, I mean, healing is what they need. $100 doesn't bring that healing. But there's an opportunity to serve people. Uh, it could be food. It could be a meal. It could be a card. It could be a prayer. It could be spending time with somebody. It could be an act of service. When you serve people at Good News Church, I mean, you're being a blessing. You're, you're being like the, the master. But this word good, he went about doing good, is a, a very interesting word. And I, I'm by no means a Greek scholar. And I, you don't have to know about the Greek to be able to read the Bible and get great things out of it and obey it. But it's an interesting word, this word good. It means philanthropic. You've heard of a philanthropist, you know, you know, someone that they've got multi-millions of dollars and they spend their to have their foundation and, you know, Bill Gates or somebody, and they're spending all their time on giving that money away to being a blessing to people. So this word good means philanthropic, meaning he went about doing good, being a blessing to people, doing whatever he could, and, 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 and it was financial. And, but when you're being philanthropic or benevolent like that, in other words, benefactor, it means you're giving thought and attention and your, 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 your mind to being a blessing to others. 
And, and that's really, and, and so I've been thinking about that a lot during this, um, uh, Chris, you know, especially during Christmas. But as I'm going, it's going to go beyond for me, beyond Christmas into next year, you know. But it's like I'm thinking of ways. It's on my mind. How can I be a blessing? How can I do some good today? And I'm telling you, you start thinking about it, and it's like it's almost, in, in, in a good way, a compulsion I've got to do something good. I've got to dispense some blessings today. He went about dispensing goodness. And really, I mean, as we're his followers, we're ambassadors for Christ. We're his representatives. We're the body of Christ. Shouldn't we reflect our Heavenly Father? So uh, generosity is not something we're trying to to be it's something it's who we are because we're like our father and again it doesn't you know i'm not a multi-millionaire but i but i and i'm not waiting to have millions in my hand to be benevolent i'm doing with what i have and and you know how about time time is precious Time means a lot to people. So there's a lot of ways. It's, it's, but, but sometimes you can be waiting, well, in the future, when my day comes, when I win the lottery. No, it starts right now with what you have in your hand. And the Lord will show you how to dispense it. So he went about doing good. That's our example. And then he's empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. And that's something that Abraham didn't have is the Holy Spirit living in him every day. And he's, he's in us. He'll, he's given us power and strength and ability to be a blessing, to bring healing to people. He'll, he'll empower you to do that. Now, Terry alluded to 2 Corinthians 9, and, and I, and I want to, to read this because 2 Corinthians 9 reflects generosity. It reflects who we are. It, 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 it reflects our attitude. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. I'm going to read a few verses here. Remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. He who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. It's interesting, he defines what that sowing is. Sowing, when you sow, it's sowing so that blessings may come to somebody. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purpose in his heart. See, it's a decision. It's a decision to be who God made you to be. It's a decision to... I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work through me. It's a decision that I'm going to be a blessing. I'm not going to be a taker. I'm not here just to get and accumulate things. Made up his own mind, purpose in his own, not reluctantly or sorrowfully under compulsion. For God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. 
And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. Goes back to Genesis 12. And that you may always and under all circumstances in whatever the need be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. As it is written, Terry read this, he, the benevolent person, scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. His deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. And God, who provides seed for the sower, what's the seed for? To be a blessing. Seed to the sower and bread for eating. He's going to, tell you, he's going to give you bread. And he'll also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Thus you'll be enriched in all things and in every way so that you can be generous. And your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. So again, verse 6 defines sowing as blessing somebody. Again, it may be food, clothing, prayer, encouragement, time, helping somebody. Now, uh, I, I am not opposed to reaping. It says it's more blessed to give than to receive, but I'm not opposed to reaping. Reaping is the benefit of sowing. But I don't get wrapped up in reaping. I want to reap. I want to harvest so that I can be a greater blessing. Greater blessing to my family, to my friends, to my neighbors, to strangers. I, uh, one of the, my, in my generosity project lately, someone sent me a request through, um, uh, uh, doesn't know about this. Oh, I shouldn't tell you. <laughs> sent me a request on messenger and they sent it out to a whole bunch of people to help this particular, a homeless person in Atlanta. This person was in, sent me the message in North Carolina. And a lot of times, I mean, I'll just like, oh, well, sorry, you know. I just prayed about this one, and the Lord said, do something. And so I did a PayPal to someone I don't even know in Atlanta. <laughs> She's smiling, so that's good. You <laughs> That's craziness. And, you know, but it felt so good. (laughs) It felt so good. And I didn't do it for this, but the person that asked me was so touched because he sent it to like a hundred people and nobody responded. (laughs) I was the only one. I mean, he was touched. And then Kimberly, whom I don't know, I think she was touched. But it was good news. Kimberly, who I don't know, Kimberly has found a place. She actually has shelter now. So my money helped find some shelter. So if you want to 
send a message to help someone else, send it to me. I'll pray about it. I'm telling you, when you get wrapped up in generosity, it gets to be fun. It's fun. They don't even have to know it. I, I may never meet her. But it's like you're consumed, not consumed on stuff. You're consumed on being a blessing. It's a different kind of consumer. And that is so anti-marketing, so anti-the spirit of the world. You know, it is really apparent. <laughs> the scripture points it out. This world is about money. It's about money. And the love of money. And it's so much more than we know. And so much is, I mean, let me put it this way. Why would you spend a billion dollars to elect a president? What's going on there? Whether whoever who's ever been elected, obviously someone's benefiting. And I don't think it's the American people. So, I don't know. Some of these Senate campaigns, $100 million dollars? I mean, I think it's a good position. What do you make? A hundred thousand dollars, two hundred thousand, maybe. We're spending a hundred million. Hmm. Something's going on. Someone's, someone's making something. And I don't think it's the poor guy. I don't think it's Kimberly. <laughs> Kimberly, if you're watching today, I love you. Generosity just doesn't happen because you are a Christian. You have to purpose in your heart to be that. It's a decision. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to show kindness. And I'm not saying, again, we're not saying give it all away and, and put your family in, in jeopardy, Susie. Um, <laughs> although I, back in my younger days when I was single, I did give it all away. And I'm here today. I made it. I mean, it was interesting. I've done it. It's not too bad. God took care of me. But the thing about true giving now, and this is how you know when, when giving is from the, by the Holy Spirit, it brings joy to you and brings joy to the person you're giving to. And it, and it brings glory to God. It points to God and that doesn't point to you. It's not about me and how good I am. It's about how good he is. He's blessed me. I'm doing this because he's blessed me. And it's because he's so good. But true giving, I mean, it never gets old, never gets boring. It's never a chore. And then verse 10 talks about God will see to it that you're well taken care of. He says you'll be furnished in abundance so you can be active in goodness, kindness, and charity. Now, 
There's a lot of great stories in the Bible about generosity. And you probably have your favorite. I want to read one of my favorite stories about generosity. Um, And as I get into it, you'll know what it is. You've heard it many times. But it really fits, encapsulates everything that we're, we're saying here today. Luke 10, verse 25. And, and this starts off, in, in my Bible, it says the most important commandment. He said, one day an expert in religious law stood up to, to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? That's a good question. Jesus replied, what does the law of... Jesus is a master. He's always... They ask him a question. He always comes back with another question. What does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions. Interesting. So he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And again, um, because of just messed up, really, leaders, they added so much to the law that it became more about performing the law than about people. And then their neighbor began to be defined as only another Jew. Anybody outside of the Jewish, uh, uh, the Jewish culture, they're a dog, they're a lowlife. They're less than human. So these are people with a covenant of God, and that's their neighbor. And so this is a really, a real question from this man. He wants to know what Jesus thinks. Who is my neighbor? And that's a good question for us today. Who's our neighbor? Is it the person just living next door? Is it family? Someone here at the church? Who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. This is a a religious leader. He'd be a pastor. But when when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed by him. You know, uh, a priest, if they touch someone that's dead, they'll become cer- uh, ceremonially un- unclean. And so they won't be able to perform their duties. They have to go through a, a purification process. So he doesn't know. So he's, he's really getting over to the other side of the road, kind of as far away as possible here. You see how, how messed up our rules can become? We can't help somebody because of the rules. A temple assistant, or one translation, other translations say Levite, walked over, so he, he at least walked over and looked at the, the person lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Levite is an uh, expert in the, the law, and again, they're just like, you know, protecting themselves. They're all about them. I mean, you know, no one's around. Who's going to know? I'm moving on. Now, 
this is interesting because if, if the neighbor defined back to when the person asked the question, who my neighbor was, if he believed that your neighbor is a Jew, these two guys, in their very own definition of who their neighbor was, walked by a neighbor. They didn't even do... They didn't even fulfill who they, who they did, uh, defined their neighbor as. This is a Jew lying there. Then a despised Samaritan. They, the Jews looked at Samaritans as um, heretics. Again, low life. They're just, they, you know, not worthy to be around them. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Now, I, I, compassion is an amazing thing, and, and I, I know you've experienced it. But when you have compassion, it's like it rises up on the inside of you, and it consumes you, and you can't do anything else until that compassion is satisfied. I was, <laughs> Susie, this is another story. I was meeting with somebody, and, and they, they weren't trying to get anything from me. But I knew about a need that they had, and the compassion rose up so strongly in me, I couldn't even hear what they were saying. I had to go write a check. It's a, it's a overwhelming, and it's not just emotion, but it's from the Spirit of God. And it can be the same way, and, and we know about for ministry, sharing the gospel, bringing healing to someone, encouraging somebody. And the Holy Spirit will empower you. See, compassion, it's more than sympathy. Oh, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. It's, it's, just, it's compassion that leads to action. And so many you read about Jesus, the compassion flowed with him and it brought healing to many. The compassion was so strong in him, it said he healed all. And, and, and that's available. And so I want you to recognize it when it happens because uh, not to override it. And again, it's not just the emotion. It's not giving under compulsion. It's the second, the second you know, just moved by the need. It's but the Spirit of God moving on you, stirring up something. You're to do something here. And again, you can't, you know, we can't meet all everybody's need, but we can do our part and be obedient to God and do our part. So I just want you to be aware of that. So this Samaritan, this Samaritan dog, as the Jews would have said, he felt compassion. The others, they walked by. They were like, stay away. But something rose up on the inside of him. He saw someone, a person, obviously in serious need. And by the way, this guy that, that's laying there, I'm not saying he deserved it. But that road that he was traveling on was called the Bloody Way. It was a very dangerous road. And so it's not a road that you're going to carry any wealth or anything that people can steal. There's bandits. It's, it's very, you know, all, even through history, even after the time of Jesus, it was a very dangerous place. And so you could almost say he got what he deserved. He was a fool. This is the man the Samaritan felt compassion for. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds. 
with olive oil. So you need to start carrying some olive oil with you and wine. Billy? And some bandages. And bandage them. Then he put the man on, in, on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. I just noticed this this time. This is the next day. So he actually stayed overnight to take care of him and make sure he was okay. I mean, so, I mean, so he's, he's bandaging. He's uh, taking care of him. He puts him on his donkey. He brings him to the inn, has him in his room, you know, staying up all night, watching over, making sure they're okay. The next day, so he must have felt the guy was doing better. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. I mean, that was over and above. Would you say that's generous? Time his own resources. Even after, even after he left, I mean, he just, he was just an over and above. I mean, that compassion, just inside of him, what did, what did he need to do? And so I just, uh, all I'll say, I'm, and I'm not trying you to give to anybody. I'm not trying to make you give to anybody, but follow that compassion from the Holy Spirit and follow that leading of the Holy Spirit and be obedient to him. And again, it's not about you drawing any attention. It's about drawing attention to him. And if God's in it, it will be, it will bring rejoicing to God. Second Corinthians talks about that. It'll, it'll bring thanksgiving. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits, Jesus asked? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. That's a good word. Go and do the same. And as, as followers of Christ, people that are filled with the Holy Spirit, I just want to encourage you to be who you are. And, and don't get caught up in consuming stuff. And, you, and God's going to take care of you. And in, I know there's probably people here with needs and financial needs. And, and, and so I, I want you, and it's, and it's easy for me to say, but I want you to focus on giving, even if you've got needs. And it doesn't have to be money. But what can you do to be a blessing? I went to a, uh, a function the other day, uh, uh, fellowship time, whatever, and I just felt like my purpose there was to encourage. I'm going to go and be an encouragement. It's not going to go there whether anybody likes me or try to people please or whatever. No, I'm going to go. I'm going to be an encouragement. And, and you've got something. I mean, if that's all you have to, to, to bring, you can bring that to people. You've got that. Lord, might lead you to, to do something for somebody. I don't know this, but you just, you follow the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, it's going to be a much more meaningful Christmas. 
season and a, and a great way to end this year and go into the next year. I, I call it finishing strong. Finishing this year strong. Because I know we can get tired, right? We, we've been busy. But let's not, let's not let up now. And then we're in our significant year. Let's finish in a strong way, ready for all that he has. 2020, don't you just like the sound of that? How could that be a bad year, 2020? There's so much you can do with that. Excited as we go into 2020. Uh, and, and I'm a traditional person, and it's hard for me to let go of midweek boost. But, you know, it's not about me. We're, we're endeavoring to follow the Holy Spirit, and it's about giving life. And, you know, we're empowering people to give life. That's our, that's our mission. And so we want to empower people in a greater way. So we've got some, tr- some training, some group discussions. We have homework. It's going to be amazing for this church, what's going to happen on Wednesdays next year. And uh, we're actually, so if you're, you know, don't really know what to do, we'll come out the first Wednesday and come see for yourself. And if you don't like it, then don't come back on Wednesdays. But I think you'll like it. I know you. I know your heart. I know your heart to reach the city. And really, bottom line, that's what it's all about, is about reaching our city. And we want to be more fruitful. So I'm willing to change things, even though I'm a traditional person. I'm willing to change things if it's going to be more fruit for the kingdom. Because this is not about me. This is not about my kingdom or me feeling good. It's about bearing fruit. And, and, and the Great Commission talks about making disciples as a part of what we're to do as believers. Not just pastors and leaders, but believers so that's what we're about, making disciples. And we, we feel this will be uh, more effective than what we had been doing. And our, our Wednesdays have been great. But I think this will be better as far as making disciples. So I want to encourage you uh, to come out from, for that. You'll be hearing more about that. Um, let's go ahead and pray. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Father, I I know there's people here that have true financial need. And Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for provision. Whether it takes, I mean, you move heaven and earth to meet that need. And so uh, bring comfort and peace to that person or people right now in the name of Jesus. God's got a million ways. So what's ever been holding back that provision, may it just flow right now in the name of Jesus. And I know there's some people even here, but people that aren't here are dealing with sickness and disease. And let's just come together in the name of Jesus and speak to that. And we, sickness, disease, you've got to go in the name of Jesus. You don't belong in our bodies and in our minds. And that harassment has got to go right now. We walk in our authority in the name of Jesus. Be free. And so we just call in, call it in, health, healing, wholeness, strength, peace. 
oppression and depression. You've got to go in the name of Jesus. You're not going to take hold of these people, their minds. Take your hands off God's property. The Lord, that we would be free in our bodies, in our minds, in our finances, in every area of our lives. Free. The Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. So I thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, then one more thing, Father. I continue to pray this, Father, for people's get-together, their families. I thank you for reconciliation. I thank you for harmony and unity in our families. Thank you for love. Lord, we'll just let go of offense. We'll let go of differences. Come together. May our get-togethers this holiday season, Lord, be full of joy and peace, laughter, celebration that fits the season. So I thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen.